But it's great to be with you over live stream this morning. My name's Hugh. I'm one of the leaders at Grace City Church. And uh, I must say, I'm really looking forward to the time when um, I can see you face to face because you're a lot better looking and you're a lot less intimidating than the camera I am looking at. But I know that you're with me. I know that you can hear me. Um, so thanks so much. Um, so t- this morning, we just really want to get into God's word together. There's obviously like a lot going on in the world right now. But I think the thing to do is just... Let's let his word be the primary thing that's speaking to us. You know, sometimes you open up the Bible and it's like, it's like the verse that you've got for that day was written just for you because it's just so on point for where you are in your life right now. And uh, the thing is, in a sense, that's true, but the whole thing is always speaking to all of us. And this morning, rather than letting anything else be the focus, we're just going to come to the word of God. We're going to let it speak to us. We're going to let it shape us. So we are continuing our series on the I Am Sayings of Jesus from the Gospel of John. And we are looking at John chapter 14. Uh, you will need your Bible uh, with you or your device or whatever you're using to follow with me. We're looking at John chapter 14 verses 5 to 14. So I'm going to read those to you and then we're going to pray and we're going to get into it. So John chapter 14 verse 5 onwards. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father. That will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been here among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father? And that the Father is in me. The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing the work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these. Because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Okay, so the kind of background to these these verses, and I must say these chapters from 13 to 17 are some of like my most favorite chapters in the whole Bible because it's a, it's a very intimate conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples. It's effectively they have a meal together in a room, they leave that meal, they go for a walk, head to the Mount of Olives, and then that's the moment that Jesus is arrested. So these verses take us right up to that point. So it's the last words that Jesus says to his disciples. He knows that what's coming for them the next kind of week is going to be one of the most difficult weeks in their lives. And so he's prepping and preparing them, like getting them ready. So he starts this, this kind of passage by saying, don't let your hearts be troubled. And he goes on to say, listen, my father's house has many, many rooms and I'm going to go there and there's going to be a place for you there. And then in verse four, he says, you know the way to the place where I'm going. You know the way. Now, Jesus is obviously talking about his father. He's talking about heaven. He's talking about eternity. But the disciples, you know, they're real people. They're just sitting around having a meal. And so Thomas asks a kind of very real question to Jesus. He says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? It's just like, well... Where, sorry, where are we supposed to meet you, Jesus? We don't know. How, how do we know the way to get there? Jesus is talking up here. Thomas is talking down here. And I don't think Jesus' response helps Thomas very much, but the answer is phenomenal. 
Thomas says, I don't know the way. Jesus says, I am the way. And he says, I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him. You have seen him. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And uh, the problem with these two verses is that there's probably about 15 sermons that you could do on them. But I'm going to try and kind of you know, limit and just do one. I'll try and just do one sermon. Okay. Jesus says, I am the way. What does he mean by that? He doesn't mean, he, what he's saying is, I'm not a way. I'm not one of like many, many different ways. I'm the way. There's only one way to get to heaven. There's only one way to get to the Father, and it's through me. I was speaking to a guy this week who's a clinical psychologist. He's just finished um, five years doing a PhD on dementia. And he's an academic, so I was chatting to him. I was asking, hey, you know, what do you think about Jesus? What do you think about heaven? And he gave what I think would be a fairly typical answer. He said, listen, there's kind of loads and loads of gods out there. There's, there's lots of options, and really they're just different names for exactly the same thing. You know, Buddhism, Hindu, Hinduism, Christianity, Judaism, same thing. Oh, just get you to heaven, it's the same thing. And uh, that's a fairly common idea, but it's not a new idea either. The author of this gospel, John, was writing from Ephesus. And in, in Ephesus, there was like a long, long list of gods. Where you could just pick anyone you wanted. And they all kind of did the same thing. You could even make a new one up. And John's writing this gospel. He wants to be clear on what Jesus said. Jesus is not one of the many ways. He is the way, the only way. And he's the truth. He's not, uh, what he means by that is, in a sense, everything he ever said was true. But more than that, he is the embodiment of all truth. And he says, I am the life. I'm the way that you get to eternal life. If you want to have eternal life, you come through me. But he's saying a little bit more than that. He's also saying that he is the source of all life. Like There is no life outside of him. And that's quite a big idea. And we're just going to kind of take that thought and we're just going to leave it on the shelf for a little bit and we're going to unpack it later. So Jesus goes on, he talks about the Father. He says, you know, you do know the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen him. And then so Philip asks a question. Philip just says, Lord, show us the Father. That will be enough for us. He's like, Jesus, I want to see the Father. And I wonder what you think he had in mind when he asked this question. You know, I think uh, if I was to surmise about what he's thinking, he, he, he wants an experience of God. He wants to see God the Father. And perhaps maybe he's picturing something like uh, one of the heroes of faith, like Moses, for example. Moses was a man who talked with God like one would talk to a friend. And uh, in Exodus 33, verse 18, Moses said to God, Show me your glory. Show me your glory. And I suppose it's a kind of funny question, I think, for Moses to ask, because Moses has seen God do like an awful lot of things already. Right? Moses has already seen God appear in a burning bush. He's already seen his staff turn to a snake, picked it up again. Oh, it's back to a staff. He's seen rivers of blood. He's seen plagues. He's, he's led a million people out of slavery into desert. And they were led by a mighty pillar of cloud by day and a flaming pillar at night. He's seen the sea literally divide in two and walk across on dry land. He's been up to the mountain where God's presence was and received the Ten Commandments, you know, like Charlton Heston style. He's had those experiences already. But still on the back of that, he's saying, God, show me your glory. You know, I want to see you. I want to know who you are. Show me your glory. And God's response is phenomenal. I think it should 
send like holy chills down our spine. God says, nobody can see my face and live. Nobody can see my face and live. But he's, he says to Moses, I'll pass, I'll pass by you and you can see my back. You, you'll, you'll see my back, but that's all you can see. And I think that's what Philip has in mind when he's asking Jesus, I, I want to see the Father. I, I want to see God. I want to have an experience of him like that. And Jesus' answer is phenomenal. He says, Philip, in verse 9, don't, don't you know me? We've been together all of this time. How can you say, show us the Father? Anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. He's saying, if you've seen me, you've already seen it. If you want to know what the glory of the Father looks like, I'm right here. If, if you want an encounter with God, I'm standing before you. I, I am God. We're, we're so connected, we're so one. If you've seen me, then you've seen him. You, you can say that you've already seen God. Two Corinthians four six says this: For God, who said, "Let there be light in the darkness," has made His light shine in our hearts, so that we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. In the face of Jesus Christ, we can see the glory of God. Colossians one fifteen says this: The Son is the image of the invisible God. Another translation has it: Christ is the visible image of an invisible God. Hebrews 1.3, the sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. Jesus radiated the very glory of God. What Jesus is saying is saying, I, I, I am the way to the Father. I, I am the way. But he's more than just the way that we access the Father. He's also the destination He's not just a way, he's, he's the one that we're going to. He is our destination. What I, what I kind of mean by that is sometimes as, as Christians, we can kind of be consumers of Christ. Like we, we go through Christ just to get somewhere, but Jesus wants to, us to be excited about him, that he's our destination. Uh, let me put it like this. I'll ask you a question. You know, Why do you want to go to heaven? Is it because a hell sounds really bad, right? Like it's a burning, burning lake of fire. That sounds terrible, right? No one wants to go there, right? So let, whatever alternative is sounds better. Or is it because, you know, you get a new body and you get to live forever and there's no sin there and there's no tears and there's no sickness? Like, is that the reason? Or is it because he's there? You know, you want to see the fullness of the glory of God radiating from Jesus? Is he the attraction? I know this weekend is a long weekend, and it's the Queen's birthday, so in honour of her, I thought, Queenie, you know, we should show a little picture. So here's um, hopefully a picture of uh, the Queen, Buckingham Palace. You know, you can go to the palace, and there's a flag there, and if, um, if the flag is flying high, it means the Queen is home. So you won't see her, but it's nice to know that you're not that far away from her. But there's other times when you go there, and the, queen, the, the flag isn't flying high, which means she's somewhere else. Sometimes I think um, we think heaven is a bit like that. It's a, it's a great place to go, you know, but it's like if God's there, okay, that's a bonus. You know, like, uh, oh, there's, there's amazing rivers, there's streets of gold, etc., etc. Sounds incredible. Heaven is heavenly, 
because he's there. It's him that makes it heavenly. It's being in the presence of God that is the attraction. Jesus isn't just the way to get to something else. We don't just consume him in order to obtain other stuff. It's his glory, it's his presence that we're seeking. And Philip is saying, show me the Father. Show me the glory of God. And Jesus is saying, you're already looking at it. And we need to be making sure that we're people whose hearts and eyes are fixed on the glory of God. But the verses continue on from there. And I suppose this is where it starts to get, I suppose, really juicy and interesting. So Jesus goes on. He goes on to talk more about the Father. And he says um, in verse 10, He said, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. The words I say, I do not speak on my own authority. And Jesus is saying, me and God are so connected. The stuff that I've been saying, in a sense, is not me saying it, it's him. And if you want evidence for what I'm saying, just look at the works that I've been doing because actually it's been him doing them. It's It's not been me. The things I've been saying, they're God's words. The things that I've been doing, they're his words. And Jesus says this an awful lot through the Gospel of John. I've been reading it personally, and I did a kind of quick count of how many times he said things like, you know, I just do what the Father tells me. We're on chapter 14. I counted, he said it 33 times already up to this point, and I probably missed a few, so there's probably more than that. But that's over two every single chapter. He says, it's not my words, it's his words. So take this from John chapter 8, verses 28 and 29. Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he. I do Nothing on my own, but just speak what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He's not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Jesus says, I do nothing on my own. I just speak what the Father's taught me. In in, in a sense, his life goal was just to do what pleases the Father. Jesus just did what the Father said. And then if we look, as we move on to the next verses... Then he says, very truly, I'll tell you in verse 12, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these. Jesus is saying, if we, if we think about the logical flow, me and the Father are so connected that if you look at me, you're seeing him. And the evidence of that is on the things that I've been saying and doing. You know, Actually, it's been him saying them. It's been him doing them. And then he goes on to say to his disciples, you know, you will even, you do the same things as me. In fact, you will do even greater things than me. And um, I think we often read that through kind of a, quite a selfish kind of lens and think, oh, great, I can do even greater things than Jesus. Well, go me, let's try some stuff. But it's not about you and it's not about me. It's about him. It's about the power that now lives and resides in you because of what he's accomplished. Now, Jesus has internally renewed us and changed us and transformed us to such an extent that the glory we spoke about with Moses, the very glory of God, you can't even see his face, that now dwells in you. God himself lives in you. And just think about that for a second. Like how powerful... A statement that is. You know, I, I could illustrate it like this. Just imagine for a second, for some reason, you are carrying like a nuclear bomb. You know, you, all of a sudden you're, you're just sitting, you're carrying a nuclear bomb. The power that now sits in your hand 
the responsibility, the terror, just like this thing is powerful. Oh, I dropped it. Just joking. Now, it's a kind of, I know it's a silly illustration in a sense, but I just want you to think that power pales into absolute insignificance when compared with the power that resides in you. The glory of God resides in you. Not for your own glory, your own purposes, but for his glory and his purposes. It's a phenomenal, phenomenal thought. God lives inside with you. So if we, if we take the logical flow, Jesus is saying, I am the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. I'm not, I'm not just the way to eternal life. I'm life in all of his essence. There's no life outside of me. So the, and, and me, are, me and God, we're, we're so one, actually, I am God. And if you've seen me, then you've seen him. And what I've been doing, actually, he's been doing it. It's been him through me all the time. And disciples, look at my watch. Oh, really? I'm about to, I am about to go any minute. I'm about to be arrested. But don't let your hearts be troubled because the same power that's been in me is going to be in you and you're going to do even greater things than me. And he goes on to say, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to be with you. You're going to be in me and you're going to do the same things. And I think, you know, what does it say for us now in the world that we are living in? We've had a really tough six months. We've had drought followed by bushfires, followed by COVID. And then this week's um, kind of tragic events and everything that's unfolding the world is broken. It's fractured and it's fracturing. And I think this passage speaks really powerful, powerfully to us. Just as the disciples' world was about to fall apart in a sense, Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. You know, I'm the way. I'm the life. There is a way for us. There is real hope for us. And he's saying, the stuff that I've been doing, you can do too. Not because of you, because you're worthy, but because my power will reside in you. You just have to do what the Father says. You just have to do what pleases the Father, and you will transform the world. So therefore, I, th- I think that we've got to take this on board. And I, I, in a sense, I know that you know this already, but we've got to let it really rest into our hearts. Jesus came for healing for the nations. He is gone, but the church is now his body. And we carry the same mission. As a body, we're here for the healing of the nations. And he's given us his power to bring absolute transformation to those nations. And all we need to do is lean into him and the glory that's residing in each one of us. And it's not about um, your leader or, your, or anybody else. It's not for everyone else. Actually, God lives in you and he wants to use you. And if you can live a life that pleases the Father, I know that you'll bring real transformation and real change. So I want to conclude by leaving you with two kind of questions, really. The first is, how are you going at at gazing at the the face of Jesus, the glory of Jesus? Are are you a consumer of Christianity or are you a lover of Christ? Have you fallen in love with him? Is he the center of everything that you're doing? And the second is, how how are you going at being a follower? Are you living a life to please the Father?